Hello and welcome to My Sister Wisdom, the Christian Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Shannon Vazalakis and her Sweet Seed Sisters. Gather with me every weekend as I have conversations with women from all walks of life, from all over the world, as we share our stories, our solutions, and of course, a scripture of the week. This podcast is brought to you by Heavenly Elohim, hard work, and lots of free software programs. I am working diligently to expand the podcast to bring you the best possible quality audio and video available, and I could sure use your help. If you would like to donate, my host, redcircle.com, makes it easy to leave a donation of your choice. Please visit this podcast's official page by going to redcircle.com forward slash my dash sister dash wisdom and click sponsor this podcaster underneath the picture. I seriously love you and appreciate even the smallest token of your support. 25% of your donation will be given to the organization of the month. For February, we are giving to children with hair loss to help provide solutions and confidence to children who have lost their hair due to chemo, alopecia, or other unfortunate circumstances. You can also share this podcast with all your friends and family because I know you'll love it that much. Without further ado, let's get to the real star of the show, our sweet seed of the week. Connie Holman is an MLHC, NCC, heart-centered coach and psychotherapist. According to her website, she has been working with individuals, married couples, and families for over 13 years, helping her clients heal from unconscious wounding to improve their relationships, release conditioned limiting beliefs, and create more empowering beliefs, and apply habits that contribute to them living as better versions of themselves. She wholeheartedly believes in the power of transformation, especially when someone is ready to take responsibility for their life, make aligned choices, and take aligned action. Connie herself has walked the path from bitter to better and pressure to peaceful. She has first-hand knowledge of the journey that being a better version of yourself and living a liberated, courageous life of abundance can be so amazing and rewarding and also what the work it entails. So today, Connie's here to join us to share her story to liberation and fill us in on some of her most successful secrets. So without further wait, welcome Connie and Hi, Connie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Shannon. Thank you for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. I'm super excited to talk to you about everything that you do, including that beautiful vision board you have in the back and all of the amazing work you do. First, I do want our guests to get a chance to get to know you a little better. Can you tell us about your story? Oh, gosh. There's so much parts to my story. Where should I begin? Um, I would say that when I was younger, I had all these dreams of what I wanted to be, same like everybody else. I think I wanted to be a teacher and a cashier and a policewoman because those are the things that I had around me. But I was always a very curious person. I always wanted to know more. I was always thinking. I was always... Um, very curious about people. And so when I was in maybe intermediate high school, I started wondering, you know, what, what goes on within a person's life that makes them who they are? And I started thinking that, okay, I think it's a lot of things that get unresolved in their childhood. Um, 
that they carry with them to their adulthood. And so there's all these like unresolved issues. And when you're a child, you're not necessarily able to um, focus on those things because your main goal is just surviving. You're just surviving whatever you're experiencing. Right. And so for myself, I had a very chaotic childhood. Um, there was a lot of things that were going on in my childhood that um, was very scary, that really uh, weren't the best environment for children to grow up. And so that led me to wanting to be a child psychologist. And I was like, okay, I'm, I want to be a child psychologist because I think if we can get it at the child level, have them work at it at that level, then we can get better evolved adults. And yeah, so, totally. um, and then I also used to watch the Oprah show and I was like, okay, I want to be a talk show host. So I want to <laughs> help people and do this on like a really big grand scale. And so when I first went to school, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a talk show host, but you know, there's no like talk show host program. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I knew I had to go into psychology and I was like, okay, I need psychology and I need communications. So I went and got my degree in my bachelor's in communications and I got my master's in psychology. And then I worked at a behavioral health center for um, at a hospital for a few years till I became licensed as a therapist. And I worked with all different types of populations, the severely mentally ill, so people with schizophrenia, uh, schizophrenia schizoaffective, uh, bipolar, borderline, psychopath, like all those types mm. of different, um, different disorders that you're gonna see like in a DSM-IV and stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I was working there, it's like, this is not exactly like a talk show host, um, but it was, it was real work. It yeah. was, you know, a real experience. And I was like, okay, I love the helping people aspect, but I also like the purpose aspect. Like I need to feel like I'm making progress. And for a lot of people, if they have like a disorder of schizophrenia, the best outcome is managing their symptoms. Mm. But I didn't want just to manage, you know, just to be in a, a situation where people were just managing uh, symptoms as their like best outcome. Right. So I went and worked at a, um, another hospital and I worked with adolescents, I worked with children and I worked with adults and I really enjoyed that, but it's very heavy work. Um, because again, you have the spectrum of people with disorders. So you have people that are coming in because they're um, suicidal. You have people that are coming in because they have substance abuse. You have people, again, that are experiencing early signs of schizophrenia. So it got to be really heavy emotionally. And I was like, I feel like I'm meant for more. Like, I feel like I know this is part of my journey, but I don't, I don't feel like this is all of my journey. Right. And so I started listening to podcasts and there was this one uh, podcast that I listened to that was really good. And I started hearing about the world of coaching and I had heard about it before, but it was one of those things like um, 
Tony Robbins did coaching, right? Yeah. So like the only other coach type of person. Sorry, I injured. Uh, I don't know how I did it, but my shoulder is injured. So you'll see like only oh, one hand. Oh, I'm so sorry. I never would have known. I'm so sorry about your shoulder. It's it, This is improved from when it, it first got injured. I don't, we don't know how. They think it's just from me sleeping on it wrong. But um, so that's why you won't see like this shoulder moving too much. But um, so like the coaches that you saw were like pretty big life coaches. And I, I knew there was more to like the online space, but I didn't quite know how much more there was. I was like, oh yeah, it's like one of those things you're like, oh, I've heard of that. But once you're in it, you're like, dang, this is a really big world. Right. So uh, podcast host had offered a course that she was doing. So I took that course and I was like, okay, this is closer. It's not it, but this is closer to what I want to do. And so I decided to become an online coach. And so I still have my therapist license. I still... Um, will always maintain that. I feel like I've worked really hard. To be honest, it was hard to switch from a therapist um, hat, so to speak, to a coaching hat, not because I was using any uh, different types of applications or different types of like modalities. It was more that I had worked so hard to become a therapist for so long you know, I went to school for eight years. I did three years yeah. postgraduate and finally got licensed. But it was one of those things of like, am I giving up this identity completely? Mm. And to take on the coaching identity. And there was some, I would say, imposter syndrome too, because it was like, well, what is an online coach? I have no idea what that is. But now, I, like, if you had interviewed me maybe even a year ago, I think I would, I was still in that, like, Am I a therapist coach, a coach therapist? <laughs> so now I, one of the words I came up with is coachapist. <laughs> like I love that. <laughs> but, um, so that led me to the online space and working with people. And I still, people still fascinate me. I still have, um, I really see people for who they are behind their wounding. And what I say by wounding is most of everybody are adults that have unresolved childhood woundings. Right. Unless there's also like a life thing that happened, you know. Um, so like most of us are kids that either felt unloved or not enough or felt neglected or mm. for some reason um, got the messaging that we weren't enough as we are. Even though we could have had wonderful parents, it's this internal messaging that we do. Um, so the work that I do is like a lot of people think, oh, I just need to correct my mindset. I just need to get my mindset right. I just need to think positive thoughts. I just need to do affirmations. And all those things are wonderful. But what I've really discovered is there's a lot of us or a lot of people that are walking around with broken hearts. And yeah. it's actually something that happened in their heart that they've managed to cover up with a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. But it's really a heart issue. 
And so I work with people to get to the root of what's really going on, mm -hmm. to get to the heart of what's really going on, and then work on it at that level. So what that looks like is, you know, talking with someone in a very safe space and letting them know that we're going to do this work without any shaming, without any guilting. And they're able to be vulnerable. They're able to be real. They're able to be raw. Um, and that we're gonna help them heal and we're gonna get them closer to what they really want their lives to look like. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. And I really love that you, you, you say you wanna get to the root of it because that's something that throughout my entire life I've, I've stuck to, that's been like my anchor is to get to the root of things, to not just look at the surface, to not even just go deep, but to go all the way to the root of it because I really truly believe that you can't heal something. Not everything can be healed by just putting a Band-Aid on it. The Band-Aid isn't the thing doing a healing at all. In fact, you know, it's happening from the inside out and that, that inside out healing, that going to the root and that looking at what's really causing all the symptoms is just so powerful and it can be so scary. So it's really nice that there are people, coaches, therapists, coachapists like you who are able to and have probably... I'm guessing here, but from what it sounds like, probably have had to do the work themselves to, to go deep within themselves, to, to do that inner work. And then also to be able to, to experience what it's like to do that across so many different types of people and so many different types of mental challenges and emotional challenges. And, you know, I've worked with many people who have um, similar challenges, but not in nearly any kind of uh, uh, clinical form, but it is, it can be, it's, it's very different. It's a very, um, enlightening way to, to, to live, uh, to be that person that is sitting with someone who's going through those challenges and to want to help them and to want to work with them and, and, and help them heal. It's, it's very enlightening, but at the same time, it can be very, um, like you said, draining. And I think that it's just so powerful to step into that role um, as you have to decide that this is something that, you know, we've always wanted to do. You know, I actually have the same kind of early childhood dreams of not necessarily being a talk show host. I was kind of shy, but I did want to be a teacher and I, I've always had a fascination with psych psychology. I wanted to go into psychology, but I had a bunch of people tell me, what are you going to do with that? And I was like, I don't know, be a therapist. And then I thought about being a therapist and I said to myself, I would be too drained. I can't do that. So I just never went into it, but I've still studied it a lot, taken many classes. So I feel you on that. It's so interesting, the human brain. And I definitely agree with you that most, if not all, uh, especially mental and emotional challenges that we experience as humans can be um, if, if it's not genetic, can be traced back to something that happened in the childhood. And I have spoken with some people who have PTSD, who have then later developed schizophrenia and who never had those symptoms prior to experiencing the PTSD. And it's very interesting to me how it can develop, how one trauma can develop a disorder or a mental challenge that is just so debilitating that can be so scary to experience something like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to go to a therapist, but to be able to 
you know, have a coach, which to me, there is a difference between a therapist and a coach to be able to have a coach to be with you. It's, it's another whole another level of, of the work that you do. So can you talk a little bit about what your um, experience is as a difference between a therapist and a coach? So I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about that because I kind of think if you are being a good therapist, then you always have been a coach. Mm, and if can you please expand really, on that? Well, a lot of people like to make the difference or I think it comes from people wanting to prove themselves, right? So coaches want to prove themselves, therapists want to prove themselves. And then you have all this like kind of jockeying for position, right? And then you have people that are like, well, I am a therapist, I have a degree. And that means I'm more knowledgeable, right? Because they can say they have the schooling, they have the training, they have the licensure. And then you have the coaches that are like, well, we help people build new lives, right? And some people have said that a therapist is like an archaeologist and a coach is like um, not an, an architect, right? Mm -hmm. So one, one goes to like dig deep and one helps build. But to me, if you're being a really good coach, you're going to go and find the root and then you're going to break it down and create something, you know, new to help the person decide if they want to take anything from there with them and bring it to the forefront. And then let's focus on what you want to build. So I think if you're being a good therapist, you're already doing that work. And if you're being a good coach, you're already doing that work. And there needs to not be this jockeying for position any, anymore. Yeah. The goal is, are you helping your client become the best version of themselves, become the most healed version of themselves, become the least judgmental, least shamed, least guilted version of themselves. Like, are you helping the client get to a place where they love themselves, they accept themselves, but they're also forgiving of themselves. Um, and so I would say in that sense, for me, there's nothing different. The hardest part, I think, for me was the idea that I attached to my identity as a therapist, but I've always done this type of work. I've always done the both and where let's, again, get to the root and then let's focus on what you want to build. So I think if you're a really good therapist, you don't need to make that distinction. If you're a really good coach, you're not going to need to make that distinction. Um, I did want to say that for a lot of people, even though they go to coaches, they come up with the same type of symptoms if you don't get to the root of it. And so a lot of people address issues at the symptom level, and you're going to keep having symptoms if you don't get to the root. So you do have to do that background work of where did this initially start from? We do have to do that work, and we have to do it very tenderly and we have to do it in a very safe space. Mm -hmm. um, so I hope I answered your question. But. Absolutely, absolutely. A couple of things I, I wanna expand on that I think were amazing points. Um, and I totally agree with that actually. Like I have had only a couple of therapists and they've only been virtual. And one of the things I noticed, and I've had, I've had coaches as well. And one of the things I noticed, and I didn't particularly like these therapists is that 
and the coaches I had similar experience actually, but in a different way. So they never really got to the root. I got to the root by myself on my own afterwards, but it wasn't something that we really communicated about. Whereas the therapist, here's, here's what my experience with the difference is. And I think this is what I've heard also after I had this experience from other people is that therapists will kind of, um, sugarcoat or they will tell you what you're doing right and not necessarily help you become a better person whereas coaches will kind of break down the things that you're doing wrong and and kind of fix it or help you fix it and I've experienced both of those kinds of coaches and therapists and I didn't hear that description until after I had experienced it so when I heard that I was like that was my experience Um, But that's not how I envisioned therapy, nor how I envisioned coaches. So for me as a coach, um, I I truly do believe that you can't actually build anything unless you dig and clear out the things that don't belong and then build the foundation. And I think the same thing, like you said, goes for therapy. And I I think that's maybe why I didn't particularly like those coaches and therapists is because it, it wasn't doing the work for me, which, you know, it shouldn't do the work for me, but it wasn't even really, they weren't really even guiding me exactly into doing that work. It was a lot of my own inner reflection, which I'm blessed to have, but not everyone has that because some of the things people go through can be extremely hard to face, especially on their own. So as a good coach and as a good therapist, you're going to be able to dig down gently, as you said, into those really difficult places, those really dark places, clean it up a little bit with the person and then start building anew. And I think that's just such a great way to put it. Like therapists and coach, yes, therapists, you have to have credentials. Coaches, you can have certifications too, but I think their mission should be very one and the same. And I think that's a really great point. The other thing I wanted to say was uh, when you are working with people And this is something that, again, comes from personal experience and also experience with I've had with other friends and just people around me. When we are healing and learning to accept ourselves and learning to love ourselves, how much of that um, is spent deciding that we want to be different and deciding that those things that we are accepting of ourselves either are good or aren't good for us? How many of those things, what's what's healthy and what's actually just just toxic to us and learning to accept both of those uh, areas of ourselves and not just accept and tolerating, but accepting, forgiving that we've gone through whatever we've gone through, accepting that it is what it is right now and how that is like the foundation. Um, That's something that I've experienced. And I, I honestly love that you said to do that in a gentle way, because it doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't have to be rushed. It should feel slow and steady and and guided by the heart which i think it's it's just so amazing the way that you you verse that um one thing i really want to say that i love from your website that i think kind of wraps this up in a in a nice package you said my purpose is to help people get to that root cause in a space of compassion and loving kindness dissect it and heal so they can live a life that is no longer dictated by and i'm paraphrasing now negative thoughts, beliefs, patternings, and conditionings, which is, love that. I love that because we do have to start with that space of compassion and loving kindness. And it is a dissection. 
that is such a vivid word imagery um that's so powerful does that come from like your own experience personally or does that just come from all of the work that you've done up to this point um that comes from both so i in order to get to that place so when i was a therapist there were so many things that i was sharing with the people like i'm just an intuitive person just because whether as a therapist or a coach i just happen to naturally be an intuitive person but when i was working with families um and working with clients and working with people i really had to see behind who they are as their wounded self and so one of the things that was really helpful i was talking to them all the time. And I was like, meditation really works. Do meditation, do meditation. But I wasn't meditating myself, but I was spouting off all the benefits, you know, like do meditation. It's so great. It has all these benefits and it helps with all your symptoms, your systems and blah, 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 blah. Um, and so finally I was like, you know what? I feel really incongruent. I need to do this work myself. Like healing. I've been on my own healing journey, like all my life. I think yeah. once you realize that you want a different life for yourself, you're already on that healing journey. Mm -hmm. But I was like, okay, I need to be congruent with meditation. I know there's something there. And so meditation really taught me that non-judgmental, loving kindness, compassion piece. And it has made all the difference in my own journey and the journey that I walk with my clients. Because what happens is, so let me know if I see it the wrong way. I'm just going to say it. We walk around in survivor mode. Everybody presents in survival mode because we, if we have a wound, anytime that wound is triggered or anytime our safety, mental safety, emotional safety, spiritual safety, anytime that feels threatened, and because we are energetic beings, we are always picking up cues. So we're walking around in this world all the time in our survival mode self. We tend to think that we are only in survival mode because we've experienced trauma or because we experienced hurt or because we experienced pain. No, anytime we feel threatened, again, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we're going to resort to our survival mode self. Mm -hmm. And so when you see somebody in their survival mode self, they're not presenting the best part of themselves because survival mode self is protection, it's safety, right? And so you're gonna get ego person, you're gonna get safe person, you're gonna get person that's insecure, but trying to keep themselves protected. And that is not where healing is going to happen mm -hmm. because their first purpose is safety and healing doesn't feel safe because healing confronts all the things that hurt them, all the mirrors about themselves that they, they don't like. I feel like I went off a little bit, but my, what I'm right on to track. Yeah. loving kindness, non-judgment, compassion, those are change agents. Only in that space can true healing occur because somebody has to be feel safe enough that their true self can come forward and then they can work on those issues when they're in survivor mode they're really not going to be able to work on those issues because those issues 
their first goal is safety. It's not personal, you know, it's never personal, but their first goal is safety and anything that feels threatening is not safe to them. So you have to do it in a very compassionate, non-judgmental space. And meditation has made all the difference for me. Meditation has made me realize that it's shaming and guilting ourselves that really are breaking ourselves apart. And we need to like really break up with that. We have to um, be able to look at ourselves in a very loving space, a kind space, a very understanding space. It doesn't mean that we're not, we don't be accountable for our behaviors and our actions, but we come from a place that we understand that, oh, I was doing that because I was in survival mode. So I was doing that because something inside of me felt insecure or unsafe at the time. Oh, okay. If I want to change that, then what do I need to do now? So I, I hope I under, I answered yeah. your question. No, you're, you're doing amazing. You are following like an exactly perfect track. Like I love, I love the way that you brought that. Um, it was really like a full circle. So one of the things that you said that stuck out was to, to, in order to really heal, we do have to like break up with the idea that we keep breaking ourselves over and over and over again. And there's something to that. And I also think there is something to that first initial feeling of being broken. There's something honorable and sacred about that, that unless we had that first like shattering of, oh my gosh, I just hurt myself in some way, hopefully not actually, but I, I just did something that I realized was hurtful to me. I spoke to somebody how I didn't want to, um, you know, I did something I didn't really want to. We're always going to feel that first initial bout of shame or guilt or pain. Um, and I think there's something really valuable in that first bout. But I think what you're kind of getting at is that if we keep coming back to that and we keep going deeper and deeper into that pain, we're just going to keep breaking ourselves over and over and over again and get stuck in this cycle of brokenness. We're never going to actually heal. Whereas, you know, we can recognize that, oh, there is a reason why I'm feeling this pain right now. Like, let me actually fix that. Let me actually turn around and say, oh, I didn't want to do that. Let me, let me do something different now and look at the why I did that so that I don't have to I don't have to go into the same situation with the same pattern. I can actually switch it up. So I totally agree with that. And I think that really is what compassion and loving kindness is, is to allow ourselves to feel the things that we're feeling, go through what we need to go through, but not get stuck there. And instead actually sit and be quiet and be still and ask ourselves, why did I let this happen to me? what did I, what, where was I coming from? Who was I in that moment that I allowed this to happen? And who do I really want to be? Do I really want to be this person who keeps showing up as someone that keeps failing in my own eyes? No, I don't want to have that self-limiting belief anymore. I want to show up in my true self in my, in my full self, the self that feels confident and the self that feels feels that loving kindness, not only to myself, but to others. Because I think a lot of times, especially for empaths like myself, and I believe you as well, intuitives and empaths, I think are one and the same usually, not always. But when we approach people, if somebody gets hurt around us, especially by something we've done, either intentionally or more often than not, 
unintentionally, we can hurt our own selves because that person has experienced either a lack of loving kindness from themselves or from us. And I think showing up always as much as we can in compassion and loving kindness to ourselves and to others would practically eliminate that. And though, you know, that's not realistic in today's age, like we're going to slip and we're going to fall so many times, but we can still get back up and we can still, you know, okay, wait, let me be still about this. Let me calm myself. Let me bring myself back to the present moment and really analyze or dissect what just happened and how I can avoid that in the future. And I, I really love that because I think healing doesn't come from just saying to ourselves, oh, it's okay. I forgive myself. It's not just that simple. That is part of it. But we have to actually be willing to go to those dark spaces of ourselves, allow ourselves to feel comfortable in knowing that we don't have to stay there and feel comfortable in knowing that we can actually become something else, that those uh, negative pieces of our lives and of ourselves aren't the fullness of ourselves. We actually are so much more and those are always just opportunities and blessings and blessings for us to keep growing. I think that was such a beautiful way of you to, for you to say that. And one thing that came to my mind was a, um, a, a, a vision of just being with someone like as a therapist and as a coach being with someone while they're going through something that's absolutely painful, whether they were the abuser or the victim. Honestly, I think both need just as much healing. Whether they are the abuser or the victim, it is just so powerful to be able to be with someone that is non-judgmental, that is able to hold space of compassion and loving kindness and is able to go deep and into those dark spaces so that we can actually look at ourselves and not feel afraid and not feel like we're going to just be stuck there. So the work that you do is really beautiful. Um, one more thing I want to touch on before we go further into the work that you do and what you've experienced is, and I don't need you to go into any specifics, of course, but when you were a child and I'm, I'm taking from what you've said, I believe you were also very intuitive when you were a child. Did you, do you feel like you absorbed a lot of people's emotions or um, maybe not necessarily absorbed, absorbed, but picked up on a lot of people's emotions around you? And do you feel like that shaped who you are today? Or do you feel like that? Um, yeah, I want to know your thoughts on that. Um, the best way I could explain it is I could read a room really well from when I was very young. I could sense people's feelings. I could sense if somebody was a good person, not a safe person. So I had, um, I would say I had something like that that was going on. Like I knew whose people, whose people's energies made me feel off or, or we say funny kind, like mm -hmm. something's off. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a very empathetic 
type of personality. So if somebody was sad, I could sense that they were sad. And I still have that now. I would say that's like my sixth sense. Mm -hmm. Um, If something's going on, I'm like, okay, wait, something's happening. Something's, you're saying this, but something else is going on. Um, So I would say I always had that. And I also realized and this was when I got older, that I could also affect other people's energy with either the energy that I brought or the energy that I emitted myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you feel like yeah. that, you know, you just sensed it? Because I, I want to distinguish some versions of empath- empathy that I've heard throughout the years. I totally agree with you. Um, for me, it is not so much of an absorption. I have experienced that some as well, but um, I want to kind of dissect, I love that word, uh, the difference between what it means to be able to sense someone's emotions versus being filled by their emotions or actually being affected by their emotions. Because I know a lot of empath- empaths who really have a hard time being around others and their emotions. Mm, really affects yes. them and they feel like they are responsible Dreams. for those emotions yeah. and and I I personally I'm going to just make this really personally I personally when I was younger and even still into my early 20s would absorb other people's emotions and think they were my own but I wouldn't place the necessarily I wouldn't place it outside myself I just would kind of carry it around and oh I have to deal with this now And it wasn't until I kind of realized that that was happening that I said, oh, I actually don't want to do that. And it was very easy for me to kind of put up a barrier, a boundary, an energetic boundary to just not feel, even though I'm sensing that somebody's feeling something, to not let that really affect me. But I do know there's a lot of empaths out there who really don't quite get that. And they want to, of course, because we don't always want to be feeling these crazy emotions that are around us. So do you feel like you were able to put up that boundary at a young age? Or was that something you had to learn? I would say that was something I had to learn. So um, in the beginning, as I was saying, our house was very chaotic. Mm -hmm. There was like lots of stuff going on all the time. And so it caused me to be really, make really quick judgments Mm -hmm. um, based off of what I was feeling. So I had to like separate myself really quickly. Like, no, not going to do it. That person, that person's okay. That person's not. And Mm. I kind of like, it was like, I felt like it's like a karate chop. Like, nope. Yeah. Oh yes. Okay. Nope. Done. Um, So I had to do a lot of that else. I couldn't. I had to just stay the observer because if I was the participator, Mm. then that's where I get caught up in the chaos. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn to just be the observer. Um, And it doesn't mean that I don't get like necessarily dragged into things because I do, I get affected, I get influenced by, but I still have to maintain this observer Mm-hmm. Um, persona, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Because it is easy to get like, whew, like just gone yeah. with it. 
Um, and so I learned to protect myself very young, very, and I would say I, it became a barrier as I got older and that it was through the meditation and like, I could have compassion for my clients. I could just be like open and like, come on in, we're, we're going to do this work and we're going to do it in a safe space. But to other people, I was like, no, you're out. (laughs) So it's taken, it's taken me doing my own work to where and doing that compassion piece, especially for myself and then outwards. Um, But yeah, so it's, and now I can still be the observer and I can see, okay, does this fit? Does this not fit? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to surrender to? What do I need to take accountability of? And then move on from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's extremely powerful being the observer versus the participant. That I think is one key of meditation is really learning to be your own observer, observer, observer observer and not participate in every little emotion that comes up and for empaths especially you know those who are typically in a lot of crowds or around people not so much now with COVID but it can be difficult to kind of discern where you're at if you're constantly participating in other people's emotions and that's something that I had to learn and because I did lose myself so many times I lost myself without like even knowing it thinking I was myself but there's just those moments where we slip and you know we're dragged into something and we have to come back and breathe a little bit and that's where meditation I believe also is really the key just like you said I love it so we are going to transition now uh in a little bit I want to talk more about what it's been like for you as a coach and the things that you see and if you have any special tips for uh, our listeners but first let's take a moment to play a little game for the listeners that are new segment called the laugh that my favorite segment because I love games um today uh we are going to play a game called would you rather so in this segment myself and I or my not myself and I my guest and I or Connie and I we will play a game just to get like a little bit of the seriousness off of us and let you guys into our personalities let you guys get to know us beyond the work that we do So I want to play the game called Would You Rather? And sometimes I've had like pre-planned Would You Rathers, but I realized like I can kind of go in a weird direction. So, and like also they tend to be all the same, like similar. So I'm just, I'm just going to, we're just going to wing it. I think I really want to get to know your personality and how your mind works. So I'm just going to wing it. I just want you to wing it. I'll start first. We'll do just a few of them each. Um, so Connie, would you rather never have electric lights or have one of those lights that, you know, those, those fish have all the time? You know what I'm talking about? Like the fish in, like the fish in Nemo? You've got that, like the angler fish. They have that, like light that's always. Oh. Them. Either you can't have electric lights, or you have one of those all by yourself, like it's just like attached to you. Oh gosh, that seems like both negatives. Um, that's so the point. Love- would you rather? It's either both I positive or both lights. negative. Yeah, I love lights, so lights are one of my things. So I would say angler. 
I okay. would take the angler so I could have electric lights because I yeah. love lights. You would all it would always be lit. It would not not like bright, bright lit, but it, you would always have like you'd always be able to see wherever you're going. And I didn't imagine it like right in front of your face. It'd be like a nice distance. So there's like space. <laughs> like space. Our <laughs> own spotlight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, hey guys, I'm here. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. I love that. Good answer. I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna take one from a movie I've watched a hundred times and I just watched it last <laughs> night. Um, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, but would you rather um, only have to drink water for the rest of your life or you could drink anything, but it had a drop of pee in it? Oh, for sure. I'd only drop. drink water. No, I- Oh my gosh. I literally, I, water- I'm fine with just water, honestly, but I, I have, mm -mm, mm -mm. I would constantly be thinking about it. Whose pee is it? Well, you don't know. That's the worst part. I don't know who, who is this person? Yeah, but that's like saying it's just a drop of arsenic. It's just a drop. I don't know but uh, no, personally, I'm gonna go with the water. I think okay. I would get, okay. my mind would get too, I wouldn't even be able to drink anything anyways. I would just be like, okay. uh, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. That's a hard one though. Cause I do love lemonade. Mm. Lemonade is literally my favorite drink. Like raspberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. Mm. I love lemonade. But not with pee in it. No thanks. A drop. If it was drop. my pee, Different story. If it was my pee, different story. <laughs> but if it's just some random pee, uh-uh. I don't know what that person was going through. No, nope. <laughs> okay, would you rather, I'll do a positive one. Would you rather be able to read and understand books at hyperspeed or be able to communicate anything with the least amount of words. Oh, hyperspeed. Yeah. Hyperspeed, definitely. Um, I don't mind communicating. <laughs> it's whether the other person wants to hear it. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I guess, you know, it's maybe for those people who really don't like to talk. They're like, okay, if I don't have to say all these words, for me personally, I feel like whenever I'm trying to teach someone something, if I can sense that they're not getting it, I just keep talking and I just keep explaining it in different ways and different ways. And I don't mind that, but it would be nice to be able to just always like, here, there's the information. But yeah, we wouldn't get all the information. So hyperspeed. I agree with you on that one. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. I feel very uninventive with these. Um, would you rather be able to listen to unlimited audiobooks or unlimited podcasts? Ooh. Oh, that's difficult. Podcasts are getting really popular, and I love podcasts because it's like, oh, that's, but I love me some audiobooks. Those are like, my favorite ways to get information. Um, oh, drum roll. 
I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with podcasts as weird as that, honestly okay. I think I'm gonna go with podcasts mostly because there's just like so much that people can talk about in podcasts and there's so many different podcasts out there on literally everything that I you know there's only so many books and the books are just like one person's voice for like 10 hours, which is amazing. And I still listen to lots of audiobooks, but I think I like the diversity that comes from podcasts. You know, at first I was like unlimited audiobooks, but thinking about it, I could always read the physical books. I mean, oh, true. I didn't even think you, about that. You still do all the audio. I mean, you can't read a physical podcast. So, yeah, you could read show notes, but not everybody does show notes. So, I think I agree with you the unlimited podcast yeah I don't do show, no- show notes so I definitely would say the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely that's a good question that was very inventive um we'll just do one more each because this is kind of hard to come up with them would you rather be able no I'm gonna do kind of a weird one again I like the weird ones let's see would you rather every night turn into a plant or every morning cry snowflakes oh gosh oh wow i don't like either and and the crying snowflakes is not like a perpetual thing like it's not like you never stop crying it's just like for like the first period of time I'm not going to give it a time limit of when you wake up okay I would say uh crying snowflakes because yeah (laughs) I can't imagine spending half of my life as a plant it would be nice restful sleep though (laughs) (laughs) what no why not plants are always working their systems are always working so are ours carbonation oxygen and so are we like, I mean that's I don't know that's kind of pretty poetic. yeah it's something poetic and like I only yeah. cry snowflakes I, I cry snowflakes it's like a book kind of. it's just like waking up next year like partner like and you're just there's snowflakes all over the like what what's good sorry it's just it happens I'm sorry versus like oh I'm gonna go to bed and it would be like when you go to sleep I guess I didn't make that clear, but when you go to sleep, you turn into a plant. That was what I was imagining. Not just at a, not like, what's that story where she turned into a pumpkin? Fiona. Yeah, Fiona. That wasn't a pumpkin. Why did I say pumpkin? She turns into an ogre. I was thinking of like the Cinderella. I was combining Cinderella and Shrek. Like she turns back into, she loses her dress. I don't know. I haven't watched those movies in forever, but I think I agree with you. I don't know. I think it'd be nice to be a plant. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Maybe that's your destination for your next life. I think I think it would be peaceful. I think it would be really peaceful mm-hmm. to be a plant. Just all I have to do is stay here and just grow. <laughs> and then you have bugs that might eat you and worms. And yeah. you might end up a salad. Depends what kind of plant you are. I mean. Yeah. I guess I was looking at my umbrella tree, so it's pretty safe to sit next on next to my window. I do actually love trees. Like trees are like one of my favorite things. 
I felt like they just have the like wisdom like yeah you just know they know some things did you know like their roots are all kind of connected underneath the earth yes I think you ever read so that? wild there's a book called the secret life of trees I've heard of that I don't I think, think I've ever so. read it yeah I, I really like it but yes all their systems can be interconnected and then yeah it yeah, depends if cool. it's the same species and then yeah. the different types yeah. of trees but yeah so cool I also there's a apparently a way you can get buried when you die not to be morbid but they'll oh, actually put that. you in like a little pod and then the pod will decompose you and grow you into a tree I think that's so eco-friendly <laughs> yeah I don't mind that like once I'm dead yeah yeah <laughs> it's like that when I'm sleeping but when I'm dead it's, yeah, yeah. Oh, makes sense all right last one I'll let you I'll let you close off the game okay last one would you rather be coached by Oprah or by Tony Robbins Tony Robbins I think oh tell me why I Tony I I just I I Oprah is you know, maybe, I don't know. I just have a feeling that Oprah would be, she would, she would question me too much. She's, she's got this look that she just really wants to know about me. And that is very, I'm very intimidated by that where I feel like Tony would be like, come on, you gotta be better. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're so right. And that's the kind of coach, at least right now, like a baby, like, five years ago, my answer would have been totally different because I didn't need, even like a year ago, I don't think I would have been like ready for that, like, go get them, uh, motivational coaching. But now where I'm at right now, like I definitely need that, like loud, ambitious, like forceful coaching, which is what I feel from Tony Robbins. But with Oprah, it's more like this inquisitive, like, let's get to the depths, which I've done so much of the past 25 years and I'm 25. So it's like, I'm kind of like, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. I don't, I don't need to do that right now. I need to like get the train rolling. If that makes sense. That was a hard one. I had to Have you watched that? I'm not your guru no. on Netflix. Uh -uh. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. Is that Oprah? No, that's Tony Robbins. Oh, it is. So no, I haven't been on Netflix in ages. I don't have Netflix anymore. But I'll oh, check that out. I'll try to find it somewhere. Yeah. It probably is on YouTube. But um yeah. When you watch it, I it's funny the reason you said, because in one of the scenes in um in that documentary, uh there was a girl that was like, ah, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, who did and he totally pinpointed it. He's like, who did you have to be for your dad to love you? And she just broke it down. And I was like, whoa. Oh, see, that's whoa. the kind of like hardness. Like if you're going to go and go into like my depths, like don't make me think about it. I've already done so much thinking and I feel there's nothing wrong with this, but I feel like Oprah would be more like, come on. And I'm like, I don't want to. Whereas I need to like, hey, <laughs> come on. And I'm hard. I know. And I, I'm for so many people who are probably listening to this, like Shannon, that is not 
you at all. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't me until I did the work. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, that's what I need. I realized I was wrong in the past to like need the gentleness, not wrong. I should not have said that. I needed that in the, in the past. I needed the gentle, like coaxing me out, coaxing me out of my like darkness. Now I'm like, wherever there's darkness, let's get to it. Come on, let's get it out. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a really good question. All right. I love it. Let's move on. I want to talk about your coaching. So you have a 90 day liberation package, which I absolutely love. Liberation is one of my favorite words freeing ourselves from the things that hold us back, freeing ourselves from who we used to be, freeing ourselves from any binds that have been holding us to whatever we don't want to be held to. Can you talk a little bit about, you don't have to go into the specifics of the liberation package, but can you talk, us, talk to us a little bit about what inspired that package and what, what happens in it? Um, it came from a place of most of us don't take steps forward. Don't go after our goal. Don't know, don't go after the life that we really want because we have these underlying limiting beliefs. And so I thought, okay, what would be like the opposite of a, of a limiting belief? And I was like a liberating truth mm. and liberation just felt so freeing. And limiting is that underlying core root belief that we all have, um, however we got to it. But there's, for some reason, there's only a limited amount of people that are like, I am really enough. I really am worthy. For the most part, everybody's like, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. Here's my long list of evidence. I have, you know, dock some hours. I can tell you why I'm not. So all these limiting beliefs. And I was like, no, we need some liberating truths. And liberating truths are truths that we create about ourselves when we actually look at our limiting beliefs. What are we really building our limiting beliefs on? And usually they're things that we've learned. Again, I know a lot of people are like, why do we always have to talk about childhood? Well, that's where a lot of our limiting beliefs come from. Yeah. It comes from our experiences as children, but we're not able to deal with them as children because again, we go back to that survival mode. When we're children, we're just surviving. We don't have time to sit and reflect and, well, how is this going to affect me? Well, how do I get to, you know, and for the most part, we take whatever the authority figures in our life are saying to us as truth mm-hmm. you know for a lot of us if they said the grass is green and we look and it's blue we're gonna be like well they said it's green so it must be green despite actual evidence and actual proof there must um, be something wrong with me for thinking that it's blue when they say it's green something that's yes. something i struggled with for yes. sure Not and there's black, gonna be other people that are like yeah it's blue, you know, or so limiting beliefs came out of this, like, it just felt so heavy. Everybody is always held back, stagnant um, by it, but liberating truths. I was like, we can all liberate ourselves. We all need this, like, emancipation of ourselves, emancipation of who we are, but to do it in a space, again, that we're not creating villains 
So what happens, like the healing journey is layered, right? So when you first start healing, you start saying, okay, something is janky within me. I keep coming up with these sabotaging patterns, these cyclings, these conditionings, what's going on? And then as you're starting your healing journey, you're like, well, now I need somebody to blame. What's my parents fault? And whether or not Mm. that's true or not true, when you start villainizing the people around you, whether it's your parents, it could be an authority figure, a teacher, a pastor, it could be a coach, it could be, um, you know, a sibling. When you start villainizing these people, it keeps you in a very victim mentality, victim identity. So that's usually like one of the layers, but you want to get to the layer where you're not villainizing anybody and you're not victimizing yourself and you're understanding that even though you didn't necessarily cause the conditionings, you have healing to be done and you're going to do the healing because you want to be the best version of yourself. Um, And it's not to villainize anybody. It doesn't mean you don't hold people accountable, but it just means that if you're stuck pointing fingers, then you're not really working on yourself. Right. And you're not moving forward. You're not liberating yourself. So it comes from that idea of like, you're really freeing yourself. You're really allowing yourself to be who you are meant to be past all these limiting beliefs, past all these things that you once believed about yourself past the self-betrayal past um you know where you get to a place where you forgive yourself you accept yourself you accept who you used to be and had to be at that time in order to be who you really want to be now and I think we talked about it before um but I wanted to speak a little bit more of it you know we tend to judge our survival mode self and we tend to shame and guilt ourselves for that person that we were in survival mode. And we're like, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. Um, and maybe you should have, but when you're in survival mode, you really don't have options available to you because you're just thinking of surviving. And so send love and compassion and appreciation to the survivor mode self, but I also send soothing. Let the survivor mode self say, hey, you got me this far. I appreciate you, but I'm learning some new tricks. I'm learning some new skills. And I think I can take it from here. I know you're always going to be there because that's what we're wired for. Human beings are wired to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how we're built. That's why we've lasted this long. That's why we haven't gone extinct. Like other things have gone extinct. That's why we've been able to adjust and be flexible. It's thanks to our survival mode self. But we can get to a place where we're like, I appreciate you. I have so much gratefulness and compassion for you, but this is speaking to me and I got to go answer this call. Mm. And I know you're going to be in the background. I know you're always going to be there, but I think you'll see that I can take it from here. So it's one of those, like, you're just giving yourself freedom. And I think when you forgive yourself, when you forgive the people around you, and again, forgiveness doesn't mean you don't hold people accountable for what they've done, what role they've played, how they've contributed to your trauma or or pain or wounding. It just means that you know that you want freedom and you deserve freedom. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. 
Beautiful. Hopefully I've answered your question. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like you, I you keep saying that. <laughs> yeah, but the block is the whole, that's the whole question. It's all coming back to the same the same place. I, I, I totally disagree. I, I think <laughs> that is what liberation is, is liberating ourselves from holding ourselves in the pain, whether that is directed outward toward other people or villainizing other people or villainizing ourselves. I think that's such a important key is to remember that like, yes, we should not uh, villainize other people we should not villainize, villainize ourselves but that is does not mean we're not holding ourselves and other people accountable it's very much so plays a part that we need to make sure we're holding ourselves and others accountable because if we pretend like the offense didn't happen then we're just kind of sweeping it under the rug and it's, it's going to be uncovered yeah. eventually and we're still going to have to deal with that pain and it's just that's really not going to do anything but to be able to learn how to better approach people who have hurt us or ourselves with loving kindness with compassion and to say you know what I understand why this happened um, one point that really kept coming up for me is that hurt people hurt people and it's like this never seemingly never ending cycle of like, everyone's just hurting each other. And it's never usually intentional. It's usually just survival mode. And it is something that's so ingrained in us. Our um, actual self-love, what I consider self-love is actually self-preservation. And I find that self-acceptance is much different than self-love, like treating ourselves with kindness and compassion is much bigger than self-love. Self-love is self-preservation. We're trying to keep ourselves alive and here. That's, we naturally love ourselves, but it's this base level love that can be transformed into this greater love, this love that, that builds and grows and changes and evolves our essence into this just giving and receiving being that we really are, I think, destined to be. Um, so I, t- I think you totally like answered that question for sure. And liberation to me has been such a key point, especially throughout 2019. Um, for some of my listeners who remember, I used to have a Instagram handle called liberated spirit. And this was during the time where I was probably, the wow. I was probably the least liberated at the time. Like I was <laughs> wanting to be liberated. So I called myself liberated spirit because I just, I just felt like that's a good handle and it was great. And it really did lead me to my liberation. Just believing that I was already a liberated spirit led me to where I am today, where I honestly do feel liberated from everything that was holding me back and, and continuously releasing and shedding those things that are still holding me back because it is constantly a a growing journey. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be done it is a journey. It is a process. And the perfection is in the progress, which is never done. And I love that. And maybe someday when I'm long gone, I will have, I will be able to look back and I'll be able to say all of it was perfect because it is all perfect. Every step of our journey is perfect. It is perfectly leading us to where we're going, wherever that is, wherever we decide that's going to be. And to hold ourselves accountable and to hold other people accountable for our journey, for our growth more, more specifically, 
it is it is liberating to do that because sweeping things under the rug or holding on to things too tightly both of those are just going to cause more pain in the future and i think none of us really want to perpetuate pain we all want to be free from that whether it's emotional physical spiritual mental all of it is disruption it's just discomfort to see use so that totally answered the question um when you meet with people who are who are like the main people that you feel are very drawn to this kind of work and um or would benefit most from your work i think people that and i feel like this goes with this the other answer but i feel like people that feel they are called for more and they're not living up to that in some aspect, whether it's the work that they do or um, the relationship that they're in, but they know that there's a part of them inside of them. I feel like they know their heart wants something more, but they've been conditioned to settle for less. Mm -hmm. So those type of people are usually drawn to me. Like, it's that wanting, like they, we all have these higher selves within ourselves. We all have this higher self that keeps this watch, that keeps this observation, that, that keeps us going and moving along. And it calls to us every so often. But I feel like a lot of people have either learned to like, I don't know the word, they've not necessarily ignored that calling um or they tend to like dumb it down that calling mm -hmm. but most of the people that I find are like no I know I want something more I don't know how to get it and it kind of breaks their heart to be in that place and they're scared because they know they want more but they're tired of setting settling for less so I notice a lot more of those people are drawn to me and the people that really just need to heal their hearts, they just mm. need a salve for their heart. Mm. Um, I find those people are like, yeah, really drawn to me. That's amazing. I, I've always had this issue with settling people who settle and not to say you're they're bad or anything like that, but I just could never be that person who just settles. I'll have my season oh. of settling and seasons of rest for sure. We all need that. But my my drive doesn't come from wanting to conform or wanting to settle even though i've been that person in, in high school which is i think everyone kind of feels like they want to fit in but my, this drive to never settle for less than i feel called for and i've always felt called for great great, great things and i've been blessed to have people around me like my family and and friends and loved ones that have built me up to know that I am called for more, whatever that is. And they're not trying to control it. And I think that that is something I say, that's a blessing because I, I really don't think a lot of people have had that. I think a lot of people either um, are surrounded by people who settle and convince them that they should settle. Yeah. So, the, and the people close to me, I believe they have settled, but it's really not my choice 
you know, it's not my decision to make whether they've settled or not, but I believe they settled because I see that they could be more. And I think I I see that they could be greater. So it's been this constant, like, I'm not going to settle. No one could ever make me settle. Even though I've gotten really close to settling, I still something in me. There's something in me that rages. That's like, no, I would, I almost feel like I would die if I would settle. And there's even been times where, you know, I feel God has really pulled me out of this place where I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Yep. I'll be fine. And I will not move. And something just says, yeah, yar and moves me. And I'm like, okay, I'll follow. Yep. I'll do it. Cause I, I have to. And, you know, it's to me so powerful to know that we do have a higher purpose. We do have a bigger purpose. We do have a mission on this earth as individuals. And that mission is so individual and so collective at the same time. And it is to just show up as our biggest, brightest, most beautiful, most radiant selves. Mm-hmm. The other thing you said that I love and I want to touch on is the heart self. So many broken hearts around the world so many broken hearts and so many people putting those broken hearts in cages or putting them on ice. And it's just, that breaks my heart. And I'm like, I need some salve for your broken heart. And I'm willing to go through that because it's so close to me. It's so dear to me that I know what it's like to have a broken heart and to think that it's just never going to be healed and you're never going to be able to go on. And instead being faced with this choice of like, I could either get bitter and cold and tough, or I could get better and I could heal and become softer and become more loving and become more true to myself. And that seems like when we're talking like this, seems like an easy choice, but when you're in the midst of it and it's just so much pain and you just want it to be over right now, the, the bitter route is the quicker route. And yeah you know, that can be such an easy choice for some people. And that breaks my heart because it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Still, you're not actually feeling any better. It doesn't. I want to make a distinction though. A lot of people think, you know, when they think of broken hearts, they think of romantic relationships, yeah. but there are a lot of things that break our heart, you know, being rejected by our friend group or by our parents or, um, not having a situation be positive. There's so many things that break our heart and we don't notice it. We just kind of bury it and we don't notice it. So that's why when I say, you know, a lot of people think it's a mindset thing. If I can just think positive, if I can just, you know, push my mind harder, but no, it really is in the heart, something in the heart that is stirring that needs to be healed that needs a salve and again it's like you said it's that that part that continues to stay open continues to love continues to be vulnerable continues to be authentic continues to know that it's not them and it whatever happened it had nothing to do with you you're still lovable however you are in whatever form you come in um but yeah a lot of people think oh only a broken heart that's why I'm bitter no you get bitter because maybe you weren't your parents favorite or 
maybe you had a sibling that, you know, treated you really bad or it's so many things that tear at our heart and break our heart that we don't realize. Um, Something else I wanted to say when you're doing the liberation piece, it's about acknowledging what is happening. Acknowledge what you're feeling, feel all of those feelings and then release it. What we tend to do is we tend to want to protect ourselves, right? Because that's what we're wired for. And so we think avoiding the feeling is the way to protect ourselves. But avoiding is going to keep you in that pattern. It's going to keep you in that cyclical self-sabotage. You're going to keep looking for those types of people because you're stuck in that. You haven't let the emotion run its course. And we have to learn to let our emotions run its course run its course and it can only run its course when we allow ourselves to feel the feelings Mm -hmm. acknowledge it that really sucked that really hurt that really and just allow ourselves and then to do the work to release it and to say okay I've let myself feel the feelings it sucked but I'm ready to let it go yeah and it doesn't feel always good like you said but once you release it, it opens you up for more. Um, so I just wanted to say that other piece. Yeah, I, I love it. And I totally agree with you on both parts, especially like what you said about the romantic hearts are romantic broken hearts are not the only kind of broken hearts. Honestly, my heart has been broken in 2020 as we're recording this at the end of 2020. Oh my, my heart has been broken in 2020 so many times as I'm sure many other people there's been so much stress and strain and just messy stuff that has happened in the United States this year that has just completely shaken up I think everyone's lives and and even just the isolation of having to be in lockdown whether we're with people we love or not our whole lives are kind of being constricted and the things that we used to love to go to do, we can't do as easily anymore. And that is heartbreaking in itself. All of the deaths that have happened this year from all sorts of things, from the protests, from police brutality, from um, just suicide and overdose and just all of those things cause heartbreak, whether it's romantic, whether it's that dramatic, whether it's just someone cut you off in, in traffic, whether it's yeah. just someone littered on the floor, all of those things are heartbreaking. And it's not always this grand, dramatic shattering of the heart. Sometimes it's just this, oh, and that, oh, if we don't, if we just brush it off and say, oh, whatever, like that is the same thing as sweeping it under the rug. Instead, for me, when people cut me off in traffic, I'm kind of a little weird. I kind of just go, oh, they're probably in a rush or, oh, I've done that too before. Whoops. Um, you know, but with litter, you know, it's another thing where it's like, it's annoying that people do that. It's heartbreaking that people still don't care about the earth with all the death that has happened. It's another thing where it's just like, come on, you know, come on. We have to be better. But as a as a individual in those situations, when we are seemingly powerless, we can still heal our heal our hearts, and we can still decide that, okay, regardless of all the mess that has happened, 
regardless of what little thing or what huge thing has broken my heart or has ripped at my heart, torn at my heart, like you said, we can still put the salve on it. We can still put it back together. We just have to, yeah, acknowledge where we're at in that moment. And it doesn't always take forever. Sometimes it's a quick, sometimes it is a quick thing because it's a small thing. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer. And sometimes it takes a little bit more effort to really acknowledge. And that's, I think what, where you come in because not everyone is able to do that by themselves and we don't have to do it by ourselves. We have each other to lean on. A lot of us have our faith to lean on. We have a lot of things, a lot of resources to lean on that are not just our own individual selves. So I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I think something that you said that I also want to touch upon is we don't realize that all of these nicks and tears they add up to a culmination if we don't allow it the space, if we don't give it a space and hold space for it and hold space for our feelings and hold space for ourselves. we tend to forget that they existed. So I think it's also important to trace back, oh, I heard some bad news about my friend and then I found out something else and then somebody cut me off. And then, and it's like, okay, now you have like 10 things and you're like, oh gosh, that's why I feel like my life force is draining and I'm feeling more constricted than ever. It's like, I didn't take into account how these 10 things are affecting me. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me just look at it, acknowledge it and work through it and hold space for yourself. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think, like even though I'm a coach and I work with people, you can also hold space for yourself. You can also talk yourself through, journal, really look at it and just be like, okay, what do we want to say? What do we feel? What's going on with us? It's okay to hold space for yourself too and acknowledge like, that's why I'm being affected and to validate yourself. I think a lot of people don't validate how things affect them. And instead they're like, well, that shouldn't have bothered you. It's not a big thing. Yeah. Well, that shouldn't, you're overreacting. And we tend to do that a little bit more versus, I see why this is hurting you. Mm-hmm. That would hurt me too. Of mm-hmm. course. Hey, what do you want to do about it? Do you want to talk about it? Do you need space? Do you need to take a deep breath? Do you need to dance it out? What do you need to do? And that's where, again, coming back to the be compassionate to yourself. What would you ask your friend if your friend was experiencing something hard? Well, you're your friend. Be your yeah. friend to yourself. Yeah. Be the compassionate yeah. space. Be the loving space. Be the kind space. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to share that. Sorry. Yeah. Don't apologize. That was so powerful. That was a great message. Like really what you just did there was give people permission to be their own coach. And you know, not everyone is going to have that confidence or that ability, but for those that are listening that do want to just take that step and try, highly encourage it because in essence, you know, we are our own friend. We are, our, we should be our best friend. We should all be our own best friend because if we aren't, we can't always rely on everyone else to treat us exactly the way we want to be treated. So we have to, we have to do that. It's funny, everything we're talking about, I have like quotes about all of this on my Instagram page, but I think we forget that we're part of our own support system. Mm -hmm. We are like the VIP of our our support system. And when we realize like 
we need to befriend ourselves the way we want other people to. And that's why we have to do the healing. And that's why we have to do the work so that we can be kind and gentle and compassionate to ourselves even before we expect other people to do it for us. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's why it's important. That's why it's important to do the work. That's why it's important to validate yourself, become more self-aware, self-accepting, self-compassionate, self-loving, all of them. Yeah. That's why it matters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If we work on ourselves, then we teach people how to treat us and we can begin to treat other people how we want to be treated because we're treating ourselves that way too. It's, yeah. I have a quote funny. about that. <laughs> I love you it. Know, when, when you are compassionate and kind to yourself, you realize how you deserve to be treated. You really do. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, that was beautiful. And I, I think that's a perfect place to end and just leave people Yay. off with that, that, huge nugget of wisdom I usually say nuggets of wisdom but that was that was a gold mine of personal self-development and how loving kindness and compassion will lead to liberation so thank you so much yeah. if, if any of our listeners want to find you um, I will have these links posted in the summary to the side or below or wherever it's at um, but where, where are the best ways to find you um, I'm super active on my Instagram. So that is Connie Ann Holman Coaching. So my Instagram. And you can also come to my website. Um, they can email me at coachconnie at connieannholman.com. Perfect. Cool. Yeah, we'll have those links below. And you also have your own podcast. I saw what is your podcast called? Okay, so I'm still working on that. But I think I've come up with the title, Welcome Home to Yourself. Okay. A tentative title, Welcome Home to Yourself. Yeah. I really love that. That's really cute. I hope it stays that because that's appealing. <laughs> and my brother just made a song for it. It's so, Ooh. oh my gosh, his song is so simple, but it's so perfect. And I, oh, I just love it. My oh, original that's title that's was Silversations. Um but yeah so it was that or welcome home to yourself but so I like both of them but I feel very comforted by welcome home to yourself it really feels like I'm coming obviously because it's in the title but it feels like a safe space it feels like a safe space and I think that's 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 the goal so if that's what it is, that's what it is. If that's what it's not is, you know, we'll still be able to find you on your Instagram. So thank you so much, Connie. I really appreciate you. Thank you. I've had such a wonderful time. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Well, that's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of My Sister Wisdom. Again, I am your host, Shannon. Tune in every weekend as I meet with women from all over the world, from all walks of life, as we discuss our passions, our works, our faith, and how we have gotten through some of life's biggest challenges to where we are today. Get ready to laugh, cry, smile, and learn a whole lot. If you would like to send me any convictions, questions, suggestions, or smiles, please email me at mysiswisdom at gmail.com. Until next time, shine on, sweet seeds. (laughs) 